May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The discovery was embarrassing, to say the least. Shocking. An affront to the very way of life. And by all rights, those involved should be killed. That's the law and the expectation. And yet, one righteous man was prepared to do more, to stand on principle, to risk ridicule to do the right thing. And it made a huge difference in the world. The year was 1957. Rudolf Abel had just been caught red-handed spying in the United States on behalf of the Soviet Union. There were cries of outrage and demands for blood. But one man, a Roman Catholic lawyer named James Donovan, stood up to defend him, arguing in part that we are a nation of laws, not a bloodthirsty mob. This is the opening half hour of the film Bridge of Spies, which won an Academy Award last year. Those of you who remember the movie or the actual events of the 1950s and 60s will recall that we were in the midst of the Cold War. Russia, the Soviet Union, was the enemy, presumed to be perpetually preparing for attack. And so to catch a Russian spying on US soil was in fact to give evidence to our worst nightmare, proof that we were in real danger that there really were people finding out our deepest secrets and planning to use them against us. It didn't matter that we were, in fact, trying to do the same thing. It didn't matter that we were busily inventing new, super-secret, high-flying spy planes to conduct our own high-tech surveillance far better than the Russians could. Catching a Russian spy on our soil was embarrassing and a threat to our way of life. Abel was the enemy, therefore, and deserved to be destroyed. James Donovan stood against that on principle alone. Every man deserved a trial in these United States, he said, and more than just a trial, an adequate defense. He argued and defended Abel not because he really thought that Abel was not guilty. He did so on principle, because he believed we are a society of laws and we recognize the value of every human being. In doing so, James Donovan became the subject of ridicule. His law firm wondered why he did what he did his own country at times questioned him, but he stayed true to his principles and his beliefs. And because he was willing to take such a risk, he eventually found himself in a position to save two more lives. 
to exchange the life of the Russian spy he had defended for the life of an American spy shot down over Soviet territory and the life of a naive graduate student who found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not because he had planned any of those things, but because he was righteous, acting in faith, until the next thing came along. Now, personally, I suspect that his actions during those years may have inter influenced international relations for the coming decades and set a tone for the way Americans and Soviets continued to treat foreign agents on their soil. But I have no proof of that. I do know that eventually James Donovan was played by Tom Hanks in the Oscar-winning movie Bridge of Spies, and if nothing else, that tells me that society thinks he's probably a bit of a hero now. But that movie also shows the real cost of standing up for principle, of recognizing the value of treating human beings, all human beings, with dignity and respect as Jesus commanded we do. And that movie shows the ways in which standing up for those principles can lead to unexpected consequences. About 2,000 years earlier, society was faced with a different potential scandal. The discovery was embarrassing, to say the least. Shocking an affront to the very way of life, and by all rights, those involved should be killed. That's the law and the expectation. And yet, one righteous man was prepared to do more, to stand on a principle, to risk ridicule, to do the right thing. And it made all the difference in the world. The year was 1 BC, less than nine months BC if you want to be exact. Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was discovered to be with child. No details on how she was discovered because this whole thing was shrouded in secrecy had to be shrouded in secrecy because if it had been made public, the community would have been outraged. Death was considered the appropriate punishment for infidelity and death by stoning at that. Catching a woman in adultery would have shaken the community to its core and there is no greater proof of adultery than being found pregnant before one has even been alone with one's husband. This would undermine everyone's sense of family and loyalties. It would have subjected Joseph to endless ridicule, and therefore Joseph would have been entirely within his rights to demand that Mary be dealt with according to the law, the law that said she must be stoned. But Joseph, like James Donovan, did not ask for that. He planned to dismiss her quietly, to let her go without anyone knowing, without any public scrutiny, presumably to go and live her life quietly somewhere else. He did this not because he thought she was not guilty, 
but because he thought it was the right thing to do. Maybe he believed that everyone deserved a second chance. Maybe he was ahead of his time and understood that sometimes women are impregnated without their consent. We don't know what his motives were. All we know is that, miraculously, Joseph decided to stay true to his beliefs and to risk ridicule if the news came out. And in the end, he becomes the earthly father to the savior of the world. Not because he had planned to do so. He made his decision long befo before the angel appeared to him in the dream and let him in on God's secret plan. Joseph had decided to do the right thing first, and only then did God let him in on what was going to happen. Joseph acted because he was righteous and acting in faith. In 1931, the, Ar the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, wrote that, quote, to adapt our lives with careful caution to the fully established certainties is not in the least noble or heroic. It is merely sensible. The whole case of religion, he wrote, through all ages is that it is a venture, a quest of fate, faith. Here we are not so much staking our lives on an ideal we may be able to realize, but rather on beliefs which must in themselves be either true or false." Quote. We spend our lives with the sensible efforts to adapt our lives with caution to certainty. How to study in order to pass a test, how long to cook food to achieve the right balance between safe and tasty, how much to deduct from our paychecks each month to avoid a big tax bill in April, how on earth to drive in weather like we've experienced in the last 24 hours, and how to adapt that driving when it's a little colder, a little wetter, a little icier. None of this is heroic. It is the fabric of our lives. It is a little harder to learn how to adapt our lives to faith. I guess in part because faith is not certain. We don't get the immediate feedback, the feel of the car slipping a little as we apply the brakes. We don't get the feedback the next day in the form of a nasty stomach ache or in a few months as we see the total at the bottom of our 1040 form. Adapting our lives to faith is in fact a leap of faith that we don't know where it will end. To change our ways of doing things, our responses to events with little or no feedback whatsoever beyond our belief that this is what we are called to do. To do something, to do lots of things, to everything in our lives with no way of knowing for sure what the reward will be outside of the fact that we believe this is the way to live. 
that is the amazing thing about both James Donovan and Joseph. They were righteous. They did the right thing. Simply because they believed it was the right thing to do, the thing that God was calling them to do. They had no way of knowing that they were laying the foundation for God's work or that they would someday be heralded as heroes. They simply knew that they were living in faith. I don't think that they were alone in that. I believe that there are countless people every day who live humble lives of faith believing that they are unsung and unheroic. And yet I also believe that every day there are countless others whose lives are changed because they are treated with love, respect, and dignity. I believe that God works countless unseen wonders through people who simply do what they believe God is calling them to do at that moment. And I don't believe that James, or Donovan, or Joseph acted alone. I believe that they were sustained by faith communities, by spiritual leaders who helped them discern right from wrong, by families who loved them for doing the right thing even when the rest of the world didn't understand, by faith communities where people could be honest about their need for God and the difficulty of trying to follow their faith with no feedback, and by practices of prayer that gave them opportunities to worship and consult the divine. When we think of the nativity of Jesus, we have lots of beautiful pictures in our brain, lots of songs to sing, but we don't often think of the faithfulness of Joseph. He wasn't a heroic prophet like Isaiah or John. He didn't trek across fields or deserts to worship like shepherds or wise men. Poor John doesn't get much glory, even in our own hymnal. He lived a humble, quiet life of faith. But faced with what seemed to be a tumultuous life decision, he chose faith and mercy. He chose love rather than the letter of the law. And so in this final week of Advent, as we await the joyful coming of Christ, let us think for a moment about Joseph, about his witness of a life grounded in faith through which God can make all other things possible. Amen.